0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. It was evening on the day Jesus rose from the dead, first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. So that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. The Gospel of the Lord. During this Easter season of 50 days celebration, we have a chance to read the early history of the church, the book of Acts. And it starts right at the beginning. And this is very instructive for us because we can see how the church actually not only survived but thrived, so much so that it converted the very Roman Empire that was trying to destroy it. And there were many persecutions going on in the early church. And so let's see what the church did. First of all, let's look at what the church had to work with as far as resources. And I'm taking this from the book, From Criticism to Apostolic Mission. So what did the church have right there at the beginning? Number of bishops, 11. Priests, the same. Deacons, none. Trained theologians, none. Religious orders, none. Seminarians, none. Seminaries, none. Believers, maybe a few hundred. Church buildings, zero. Schools and universities, none. Written Gospels, not yet. Very little money influential contacts in high places nope societal attitude persecution but they had one thing and that's the holy spirit and that made all the difference we see that right in the gospel because what does Jesus do on the evening of the day he rose from the dead he breathes on his apostles the holy spirit and they receive it gladly because they know how favored they are they had just betrayed said they didn't even know the savior and now Jesus is giving them the Holy Spirit so they were very hungry and glad that they had this great gift in the first reading from Acts chapter 2 we see actually in just one verse how the church really did grow. They devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The breaking of bread is a code for Eucharist. We know this because on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus actually opened the hearts of those two disciples who were despondent and interpreted the Old Testament scriptures, then he came into their house, had a meal, and it was in the breaking of the bread that their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus That breaking of bread had to be the code word because the Roman Empire was out to destroy Christianity. And news had come to the emperor that they were celebrating these love feasts where there was body and blood being shared and cannibalism and all kinds of rumors. So they had to use a code word, breaking of bread. And that's what we hear in that first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Right off the bat, they're celebrating the Eucharist. They're coming together as a community. And that was very powerful. They secondly, believed in the resurrection of Christ. They really did believe Christ rose from the dead and that made all the difference in their lives. So that even though they were being persecuted, and I just finished reading a book, the early historian Eusebius, who wrote in the year 313, 313 AD, so he was right in the midst of it, chronicles a lot of the martyrdoms. Horrendous details, tough reading, but also how faithful they were. And they would not capitulate, and many of them went to horrendous deaths. But in the midst of that context, what do we hear the preaching of the apostles? Resurrection. We see that in the second reading from first Peter. Peter, who had denied Jesus, now writes, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, a birth into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So that was the difference. They believed in the resurrection. It was so present to them. No matter what persecutions they underwent, no matter how the meager resources they had to work with, resurrection. Finally, they gathered as a community. So radical did they gather that, again, we hear in that first reading from Acts 2, that they had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and distribute to the needy. Day by day, they spent much time in the temple. Now, this sounds strange to our ears. It's actually what the communists did in the last couple centuries. They used those words, selling their possessions and holding all things in common to try to bolster that ideology. And of course communism is a complete failure politically. That's because they never really lived it out in the way that it should be lived as the early church did. But there are organizations today that do live this communal life very successfully and have through the centuries. They really have practiced the first reading. Monasteries, for example, right from the beginning saved Christianity. When all of the Roman Empire was falling apart, believers went out into the desert and formed these monasteries and protected the sacred writings, held all good things in common, didn't own anything privately. But the other organization that is so successful, of course, is the family. The family holds all things in common for the sake of the common good. The husband and wife pool their resources and they give to the children and to each other all that they possess. Karl Marx had a famous statement that he tried to justify his brand of communism, very flowery statement, from each according to his abilities, to each according to his needs. Now, if they only lived that out, that would have been great. From each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. Well, that's how families work. And that's how we're meant to work, because we're now a family of parishes. Our whole diocese is going in this direction. Now, we're not holding all things in common quite yet. We're separate parishes, but we're meant to come together and hold each other as brothers and sisters in our prayers, and think of ourselves as a family like the early church did, so that when people come to experience us, they experience the warmth and the dedication and the zeal that only families have. Today, we're going to be celebrating our family with Alexander receiving his first communion and Carter being baptized into this great family. As was said in the first reading, Day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved, and that's what's happening tonight. So let's rejoice and be glad and learn from the early church. They had very little in terms of material resources, but they had the Holy Spirit, and they believed passionately in the resurrection to new life.